All right, Philippians chapter 3 tonight as you take your Bibles, the book of Philippians chapter number 3. And if you are able to, would you mind standing for the reading of God's Word? Philippians chapter number 3. Well, we know who enjoyed getting a trophy tonight, amen? (laughs) Where's Sammy at? We love you, Sammy. <clears throat> that was worth coming to church tonight right there, right? Amen. All right, Philippians chapter number three. And uh, we've been going through a series up in the teen class. Uh, a couple months ago, I started a series entitled, Who is That Jesus? And we looked at the life of Jesus Christ and Really trying to understand who Jesus was from a biblical perspective, not necessarily from what the world tries to portray, uh, portray Jesus as. The first week we started that, I asked some of the teens, you know, what does the world say or how does the world portray Jesus? And some talk about the necklaces with Jesus on the cross, some talk about the paintings, the statues, all those types of things. And uh, that's what the world describes Jesus as. And if you really want to know who Jesus is, you've got to get in the Word of God. And the last couple of weeks, we've shifted focus from who is that Jesus to being in the teen class teaching on this thought, more like Jesus. And really for us to be more like Jesus, we have to first understand who Jesus is. But I dare say tonight that many of us, we understand and we know on a Sunday night who Jesus is. So the challenge we're going to look at tonight is this, is being more like Jesus. Because honestly, that ought to be every one of our desires. Uh, Have the privilege to work with the young people and the teenagers here at Riverside Baptist Church. And my prayer, my desire is not that they'd all be preachers or missionaries. My prayer, my desire is that they would love the Lord with all their heart. And if God calls them, God desires them to go in ministry full time, praise the Lord. And I'm thankful for the young people that have, have come through the youth group the last couple of years and, and are just desiring to serve God. I think about Brother Jackson standing back there in the back. He's finishing up uh, college right now, played probably one of your last basketball games yesterday. But Jackson's got involved in the ministry, working the live stream on Sundays and filling in, just plugging along. Brother Nathan over here, Nathan Walker. Brother Nathan, on multiple occasions the last six months, has called me up and said, hey, I want to buy dinner for the teens on Thursday night. He doesn't buy, like, microwave popcorn. Oh, he gets like chili dogs from Sonic. And I just kind of want to brag on Brother Nathan for a moment. I know he won't get a big head. I shared this with the teens a couple weeks ago, but he called me a couple weeks ago and said, hey, I want, to do, I want to do dinner for the teens on Thursday night. I want to do hot dogs. I said, awesome, Brother Nathan, that'd be, that'd be a blessing. So he got everything prepared, and he called me up. He says, hey, uh, Sonic didn't give me just hot dogs. They gave me chili dogs, like chili and cheese, the whole, the whole thing. But Brother Nathan was telling me that he was asking his manager about it and pre-ordering it, and his manager said, well, who's it for? You're ordering 40 hot dogs. Who's this for? And he said, it's for my youth group. Brother Nathan has such a testimony at his workplace that his manager said, we're going to pay for that for your youth group. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. So in Philippians chapter 3, I want to draw us kind of there with this mindset tonight of the deeper life of being more like Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 7, the Bible says this, But what things, we know this is Paul writing to the church at Philippi, he says, But what things were gained to me, 
those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Jesus Christ, through, sorry, through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to draw your attention back to verse number 10, very familiar verse, one that probably most of us know by memory. And I want you to look at those first five words, that I may know Him. You want to have a deeper walk with God? You want to have a deeper spiritual life? Here's the key. You have to know Him. Father, we thank You for the privilege tonight to be in Your house, uh, again, to gather on Sunday night. Lord, I pray for those that aren't able to be here tonight. They're sick. I think of even Brother Don Bauer being up in the hospital bed. Here in about 12 hours, he'll be getting prepped for quadruple bypass surgery. Or I think about the many that aren't well and <clears throat> even some that are traveling maybe, possibly. Or thinking about all those even that are just watching via live stream or from around the world. Lord, we need to hear from you tonight, so I pray that you'd meet with us and that you'd encourage those, not just on live stream, but you'd encourage us as we're here. And as we dive into this text tonight and looking at what Paul says here in Philippians chapter number 3, I pray that we'd speak to our hearts individually. Lord, this isn't about, a, this isn't about me, or, or this is all about you tonight, so I pray that you'd get the preeminence in everything that is said and done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> We're going to start out a little different tonight. I'm going to start out, honestly, uh, I don't know if I've ever done this, but we're going to start out with a little bit of an illustration tonight, just to kind of wrap us around the text, if you would. So I've asked uh, Brother Brett and Miss Amy, and uh, unbeknownst to them, also Abram and Sophie, to come up here and help me for a second for an illustration. And I'm just going to have them kind of stand up here in the front, and they're going to face you all. Right there, there we go. <clears throat> One of the things about the Christian life is we know that not every life is the same. We understand that in the Christian life, everybody's Christian life is different. And even within a home setting, within a, a husband, wife, and children setting, it can be different. But I want to, just for the sake of an illustration now, this is just an illustration, I want you to imagine some things with me for a second. Here's Miss Amy. She's a woman. Praise the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> she's a woman. She's a good person, morally speaking. She's a good mother to her children, and she's a good wife to her husband. Right, Brother Brett? <laughs> she keeps a, a, a neat house, and she has a good, gentle, meek, humble, compassionate spirit. But for her, Christianity is about being a church member. It's about avoiding the, quote-unquote, the big sins in life. It's about being a good neighbor and a good friend and a good parent, a good spouse. 
She doesn't really pray like she should, but when she does pray, she only prays when bad things happen. She doesn't always read her Bible as she should. She'd rather watch TV, cook, sew, or surf Facebook. Then you have the man, Brother Brett. It's a good thing he's a man, amen? He too belongs to the church, but he only attends when it's convenient, and it usually isn't convenient. When he does actually attend, he doesn't really attend. Because his mind and his thought process is anywhere other than church. Most of the time, for this individual, his mind is in a deer stand. Thinking he's going to shoot the biggest buck in the world. Now, he's a good provider, and he cares for, the, uh, cares for and loves his family, but he doesn't pray as he should either. He tolerates sinful habits. He tolerates sinful attitudes. He tolerates sinful affections that he knows he should deal with in his life. Then you have a young person, young man, Abram. He's also a church member, but the church just doesn't seem relevant to him anymore. You see, he watches the older folks, the older people, the more mature people at church, and he wonders this, why should I bother if I'm going to turn out just like that old person over there? And as a result, he's attended more infrequently than frequently. He rarely reads his Bible, and he only prays when there's a big problem or when his dad asks him to pray for a meal. Then you have Sophie, another church member. Now this is all illustration. This person talks about how much they love the Lord, and they're at church faithfully. But they're always defeated, always the victim, and always in the middle of some big spiritual battle. Oh, they pray, but their prayers are selfish, and they do not honor God. They hear the preaching from their pastor. They hear the preaching from their Sunday school teacher. They hear the preaching from the man of God that fills the pulpit, but they don't really read their Bible faithfully. The warnings that are given, the admonitions that are given, they're not for them. They're always for somebody else. When we hear about people like that, or we see a, maybe a family dynamic or individual described like that, we might think that that's normal Christianity. And for a lot of Christians in America, that's normal. Sad to say. I mean, and I, I know it's not normal at Riverside Baptist Church, but that's just kind of normal Christianity. And we think for some reason that in that dynamic, the Christian life is supposed to be one in which we lose more than we win. We think sometimes that in the Christian life, we're supposed to fail more than we succeed. We're supposed to cry more than we shout. Well, we just barely get in and let others do all the work. And, and man, preacher, you need helpers? Not me. And we think for a moment, man, that is normal Christianity. We are willing to point out the faults and failures of everybody else, but yet we won't point the finger at ourselves and where we're lacking in our walk with God. I want to shatter the notion tonight that this isn't normal. This dynamic that I just described is not the norm. This is abnormal. But this abnormal, or ab I can't even say the word, this abnormal family situation is quickly becoming the norm in America. And it's quickly becoming the norm within churches. Thank you, Sherman family, that's it. Good job, Brother Brett, thank you. You see, the normal Christian walks in victory in this life. The normal Christian is in love with Jesus Christ. And not only is he in love with Jesus Christ, but he actually lives that love day to day. 
The normal Christian is not a victim, but he is a victor. The normal Christian, listen, is an elusive, we'll call it like this, an elusive beast. Why do you say that, Brother Andrew? Because he is so rare. To be a normal Christian, to have victory, to have joy, to have peace, to have contentment, can I say this, in 2022, is very rare. It's not normal. It's not normal. If you want to see a normal Christian in their environment, then we can look no further than the Apostle Paul. He lived a normal Christian life, and he would never be satisfied to live the kind of lives even that we live and the the struggles that we have. Listen, you would never hear Paul say in these words, well, I'm just doing the best I can. Brother Terry, I, I can't imagine opening up one of Paul's epistles and Paul saying, well, I'm just doing the best I can. I can't picture that with Paul. I don't picture Paul saying this, everything, everyone and everything is against me, and I have the hardest time being a Christian. Can't imagine Paul saying that. Can't imagine Paul making this statement, I just feel like giving up. I feel like quitting. I feel like throwing in the towel. I feel like not even preaching the word of God. I feel like not even going to church. Nobody cares. I just don't see that in the life of Paul. As a matter of fact, if you look at our text tonight in Philippians chapter 3, notice verse number 13. Paul says this, he pens these words. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. Paul says in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So when you look at the life of Paul, Paul had, we'll call it like this, Paul had a normal Christian life. Well, what was so normal about Paul's life? Paul's life was focused upon one thing and one thing only, Jesus Christ. Now listen, we, we, we preached this morning about how we need to be saved and how a lost person needs to be saved and a lost person needs Jesus Christ. And I know it's a Sunday night and I would dare say the majority of us in here tonight are saved, uh, but the message is still the same. Even as a saved person, we need Jesus Christ in our life. No, I'm going to say again, even as a saved person, we need Jesus Christ in our life. We cannot live this life victoriously. We cannot live this life nor as a normal Christian without Jesus Christ's help. We cannot go through the day-to-day, let's just be honest, the day-to-day drudgery of life sometimes and the negativity that surrounds us without Jesus Christ in our life. So the mindset of maybe, hey, I've got saved, I'm born again, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, I know those things, Brother Andrew, I'm good to go. No, no, we need Jesus Christ every single day, every part of our life. And so often Jesus Christ is just an afterthought. Jesus Christ is somebody we talk about on Sundays and on Wednesdays. Jesus Christ is somebody we talk about when we have hard times. Jesus Christ is somebody we pray to when we're getting ready to eat a meal. Jesus Christ is, you fill in the blank. But as you study Philippians chapter number 3, and specifically verse number 7 through verse number 15, even here, as Paul's writing to the church of Philippi, I kind of get the impression that Paul's like this. Jesus Christ is more than just words to me. Jesus Christ is my life. And if we're going to experience the deeper life and really know more about Christ and ultimately know more about God, then we've got to make Jesus Christ the priority in our life. And if he's not, we're never going to experience all that God has for us. If there's one thing that's lacking in many of our lives, and I'm going to use myself as an example uh, in studying for this and even, even teaching the teenagers in Sunday school, one of the things that's lacking is, it could just be described like this, Christ-likeness. That there are areas of our life that don't represent the heart of God or don't represent the heart of Jesus Christ. Listen, in a world that is bent on enticing us away from, a growing, from growing deeper in our love for Christ and how we can become more godly, listen, we, we got to understand the fact that we're just not what we need to be. And sometimes that's hard to stomach. 
So listen, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to sit in the, in the I was going to say pew, but they're not pews, they're chairs. Sometimes it's hard to sit in the chair and hear the man of God, hear preacher preach the word of God and be like, oh, oh, that's directed toward me. Oh, man, that's all over my toes. Oh, what's he looking at me for? No, no, anybody been like that before? And sometimes it's hard uh, when the man of God is preaching and, 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 and the Holy Spirit's leading, the Holy Spirit's working in our heart. And we're sitting in our chair, Brother Cole, and we're recognizing God's pointing his finger at us going, hey, buddy, you're the problem. Hey, buddy, you need to get things right. Man, sometimes it's hard to admit that. Sometimes it's hard to acknowledge that. But it's so true in our life that if we want to experience that deeper walk with God, really knowing Jesus Christ the way that God desires for us to know him, we've got to recognize, man, there's some, there's some things lacking in my life. Oh, yeah, Christ-likeness. We all struggle with it. Doesn't matter if you've been saved for a year, or if you've been saved for a hundred years. Listen, this flesh is weak. This flesh is sinful. And so we've got to recognize tonight that God desires for us, God desires for us to know Him more. One pastor said it like this in this passage. He says, The secret to a deeper life lies in our returning to the basic disciplines of Christ. He says, Religion won't cut it. We live in a spiritual hothouse where we talk religious talk, send out religious letters, write religious pamphlets, and do religious Bible studies. It's easy to become religious instead of godly. It's easy to become religious instead of godly. So Paul's goal in life is given here in verse number 10. Look at verse number 10. Here's what Paul says. Paul says this, that I may know him. If you were to ask Paul when you get to heaven, Paul, what was your desire? What was your goal? What was your motivation in life? I believe that Paul would say these five words that I would know him, that I would know God, that I would know Jesus Christ on an intimate level. Listen, I, I don't believe for a second that Paul's desire or his goal in life was to be the world's greatest missionary. I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe that Paul's desire or his goal in life was to be the greatest church planner or the greatest preacher or the greatest soul winner. No, no, I, I believe Paul's greatest desire in life was that he would know Jesus Christ even more. You say, well, wait a minute, Brother Andrew, like, he's saying that I may know him. Like, has he forgotten God? Has he lost his salvation? No. Paul's saved. Paul's born again. He knows that. We can tell just by the context of what's taking place here. But Paul desired a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And can I say this? If you and I are going to grow, and if we're going to experience the things that God wants us to experience, we're going to have to have a deeper walk with God. No, no, listen. Surface, surface relationship, not good. Not good. Uh, I've been married to Miss Crystal for, since 2004. Uh, man, could you imagine since 2004 if, you know, all I said to her every week was, hi? Hi? Hey, Andrew, do you want to go out to dinner tonight? Hi? Hey, do you think we should, hi? Hey, sweetheart, I love you. Hi? Hey, do you think you could, hi? No, no. There's got to be a deeper relationship for that relationship to be uh, profitable, for that to be good, for that to be affecting both her and me. And when it comes to the things of God, listen, sometimes our mindset is this, just this, hey, I'm at church. I'm at church. Preacher, feed me. I'm at church. Preacher, just give me something so I, so I can get through the week. No, no, listen. Paul was the type, had the type of mindset is it didn't matter if he was at church or not at church. He wanted that deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it took some things in Paul's life. In verse number 10, the Bible says this, that I may know him. That word know in our text means this. It means to perceive, uh, to be sure, to understand. Here's what Paul was saying. He says that I may be fully acquainted with God's nature 
His character, his work, and with the salvation which he has worked out. It is one of the highest objects of desire in the mind of a Christian is this, to know Christ. Paul realized that Christ is our victory, and apart from him there is no victory. Paul knew that, the great, that greater uh, is he that is in him than he that is in the world. So how am I going to, Brother Andrew, know God, know him like Paul knows him? And I believe in our text tonight we can look at just three distinct different areas of our life that really will help us to understand how we can know God even more. I want you to notice verse number seven. Here's what the Bible says. We're going to move pretty quick tonight. The Bible says in verse number seven, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Listen, if you want to win Christ tonight, if you want a deeper walk with Christ, if you want a deeper, more genuine, more intimate walk with God, here's some of the things you're going to have to look at. Number one, your desires. Your desires. You see, Paul had certain things in life that he used to desire. We see that here in verse, look at, look at verse number seven. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. There were certain things that Paul had in his life before he got saved, Brother John. There were things that Paul had in his life. He says, hey, listen, I don't need those anymore. I count those for lost. I don't even desire those. Look what he says, verse seven. Those I counted lost for Christ. Hey, there's things in our life tonight that we desire more than God. There's things in our life that we desire more than that intimate fellowship with Jesus Christ. There's things in our life tonight that we desire more that are keeping us from getting closer to God. I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. God says, Andrew, you want to get close to me? Yes, God, I want to know you. I want to know you more. Well, here's the desire that you have in your life that isn't helping you to know me more. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines desire as this. This was an excellent definition. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines desire as an emotion or an excitement of the mind directed to the attainment or possession of an object that is expected. A passion excited by the love of an object and directed to its attainment or possession. Desire is that internal act which by influencing the will makes us proceed to action. So ask yourself tonight this question, do I desire God? Not, no, I'm not asking do you know God, do you know Jesus, I'm asking do you desire God? Do you desire that close, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you desire to get closer to God? I mean, do you really honestly, really truly desire to put forth the effort, to put forth the sacrifice that goes into knowing him more? If we're going to be more like Jesus, we're going to have a deeper walk with God, then we must First, recapture the desire to know more about him each and every day. <clears throat> Let me ask you this uh, tonight. It's not morning, it's tonight. How many of us spent time, even this morning, praying before we came to church, asking God to speak to our heart? How many of us are going to take time this week even to pray for the service Wednesday night? How many of us are going to take time this week? Uh, we know it's in the bulletin that Brother Ben Moore, Pastor Ben Moore will be with us next Sunday. How many of us are going to take the time this week even to pray for Pastor Ben Moore, as he comes in and preaches next Sunday. How many of us have that true desire to know him, to walk closer to Christ every day? If there's anything in our life that hinders us from having that desire, that focus, and that growing relationship with Jesus Christ, we've got to remove it from our life. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus would tell his disciples this in verse number 34. He said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, that's a very familiar verse, right? 
Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so kind of in taking with, with what we're at, where we're at right now in this point, let's rephrase it for just a second. For where your desire is, there will your heart be also. What is it you desire tonight? If you truly, honestly desire to know Jesus Christ, He'll have your heart. He'll have your desires. He'll have everything about you. And listen, and, and it won't be any problem whatsoever. But maybe tonight we're looking at our desires and our desires are anything but to know Him. Maybe tonight our desire is to make more money. Maybe tonight our desire is to get a bigger house or a nicer car. Maybe tonight our desire is just to live a little bit closer on the edge without falling off. Maybe our desire tonight is to see how far we can go away from God before the judgment hand of God shows up in our life. Maybe tonight our desire is to see how far we can push God away so that He'll stop speaking to our heart as the preacher's preaching. Maybe tonight our desire is simply this. I really could care less about church. I'm just here to be here. Maybe that's our desire tonight. In Matthew chapter number 6, Jesus would make this statement to His disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. You see, if you and I don't desire to know him, we won't know him. If we have no desire to know God, we won't know God. Brother Andrew, I'm struggling. Man, I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. I'm frustrated. I come to church. I hear preacher preach. He sweats up a storm, and I just get nothing out of it. How's your desire? How's your desire? Brother Andrew, man, you know, I just, man, I, I can't, oh, man. I just, I can't get up early enough on Sunday morning to make it for, for Sunday school. How's your desire? Man, Brother Andrew, you just don't understand. I just, I can't give. I can't tithe. I can't support missions. I can't, how's your desire? Man, I can't be faithful to God's house. I, I, you know, there's so much going on. I work a real job. I, I mean, I work. I work a real job. And I'm, and Brother Andrew, you don't understand. I'm busy and I've got family and I got chores and I got laundry. And how's your desire? If your desire is to know Him and to know Him more, all those things are just side items. They're just side items. But they're things, can I say this, they're things that distract you and I, they keep us. From knowing Him. Keep us from knowing Him. Simple as, it's simple as this. If we want and desire to know Him, we will. But if we don't, we won't. Then notice verse number 10. Not only does I believe Paul speak about desires, but in verse number 10, why don't you notice what he, what he says here. He says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. I think not only do we have to look at our desires tonight, really to know Him, but how about this? How about our devotion? How about our devotion to God? You see, Paul did not say that I may know about Him. Paul wanted to personally know Jesus Christ. He wanted to know more intimate things about Jesus Christ. So it begs us to ask this, ourselves the question tonight, do you and I have that same passion, that same devotion that Paul had to know Him, to know Jesus Christ? You see, through salvation and Bible study and prayer and fellowship with other believers and suffering and the working of the Holy Ghost in our life, we can truly know our Savior. 
No, uh, no. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse number three. He said this. He says, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. See, many Christians know Christ in a nominal way. Uh, they, they know Christ in this nominal mentality that was kind of demonstrated and illustrated up here. But that's about as far as they know. And in order for us to have that deeper life, that deeper commitment to Jesus Christ, there has to be devotion. For an athlete to get better, there has to be devotion. If you're going to lose weight, got real quiet. There has to be devotion. If you're going to save money, get out of debt. There has to be devotion. If you're going to get good grades in school, Dalton, there has to be devotion. If you're going to have an amazing marriage, like Miss Crystal and I, there has to be devotion. You're kind of following the trend here? Kind of following the trend? Listen, if, if, if there's no devotion when it comes to our relationship with God, why do we expect it to be great? If Brother Andrew was not devoted to Miss Crystal, they would not have a good marriage. If Miss Crystal was not devoted to Brother Andrew, they would not have a good marriage. Now let's pause there for a second. God is devoted to me. Jesus Christ is devoted to me. You know how I know, Brother John? Because he bore my sin upon the cross of Calvary. He demonstrated love perfectly to me. So the, the, the problem tonight is not God or Jesus' devotion to me. It's my devotion to him. I want that deeper life. I want to walk with God. I want to see God do things that only God can do. But if I'm not devoted to him, it's not going to happen. Where is the devotion when it comes to our relationship with God? Dads and moms, where is the devotion to raising our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Where's our devotion? Well, you don't understand, Brother Andrew. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, 20 years of youth ministry, I've heard this many, many times. I'm just going to let my kids make their own decisions. I'm not going to force them to do anything. You know ultimately what you're telling me? You're not devoted. You're not devoted. You're not devoted. Said, it's pretty mean, Brother Andrew. Well, I've been there, done that, had the t-shirt to prove it. You're not devoted. Parents, we have an obligation from God to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Listen, that, that's not something that Brother Andrew's making up or Pastor Marshall's making up. It's in the book. It's in the book and we ought to be devoted to it. Listen, young people, where is the devotion in letting no man despise thy youth? But be thou an example be an example in everything that you do, in your spirit, in your attitude, in your character. Where's the devotion? Church, for us as a church, as a, as a local body, a local assembly, where's the devotion in knowing Him more and more every day? Where's the devotion that we have to not just, as Pastor mentioned, support the missionaries uh, around the world and, and pray for Brother Jackson, but where's our devotion when it comes to serving on our mission field right here? Right here. Why is it just kind of throwing this out there. Why is it that God doesn't ever get the best of us? Why is it that work, school, family, the gym, Facebook, everything else gets 100% of our attention, our affection? But when it comes to the house of God, when it comes to the ministry of the gospel, when it comes to reaching people, why does he not get the best? You know why? Because we're not devoted like we ought to be. Paul says, verse 10, that I may know 
him. You want to know him tonight? Well, you got to check your desires, but you also got to check your devotion. And then lastly, look at verse number 13. He says this, Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark. You want to know him tonight? Check your desires, check your devotion. And then lastly, number three, need to check your discipline. Every sincere and honest Christian will admit at least two things. Number one, he or she will admit past failures. There are past failures in my life as a Christian. I, listen, I can't deny them. They're there. We've all been there, done that. Secondly, he or she will admit that they are not satisfied to remain in their present spiritual condition. I'm going to say that one again. They are willing to admit that they are not satisfied to remain in their present spiritual condition. Let me ask you this question tonight. Are you satisfied with where you are spiritually? That's a lot to stomach, huh, Brother Nathan? Am I satisfied with where I am spiritually? My answer for me is no, absolutely not. But I can't answer for you, Michael. Only you can answer, answer for Michael. In verse number 14, Paul says this, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The word press means this. It means to pursue, to follow after, to suffer persecution. Ultimately, here's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, I must be disciplined in my pursuit of knowing him more and more. I cannot allow the things of this life, good or bad, to interfere with knowing him more. The key to knowing Christ, the key to knowing him, according to verse number 10, is discipline. Someone once said this, that discipline is the other side of discipleship. We'll never experience that deeper life that God desires for us if we don't have the discipline in our life like God desires. So, let's wrap this up. We'll go home. Intimacy is the state of being intimate. Intimacy is characterized by closeness. Intimacy brings a warm and satisfying friendship. So let's ask this question tonight. How is your intimacy with God? How close are you to God? How in tune are you with God? How far are you away from God right now? Has your zeal for Him lessened? Do you sing and think of something else besides Him while you're singing? It's really easy. Kind of words are up on the screen. We just kind of read them. Do we really think about what we're singing about? Do we really consider the victory that we have in Jesus Christ? Is coming to God's house a joy or is it a burden? Is reading the Bible and praying just routine? Paul would respond this way. I believe we asked him today. Paul would say this. My determined purpose is for, that, I would never, that I would never settle for where I was spiritually. My determined purpose was to know him more and more every day. That I would be closer to him every single day. My goal in life, according to verse number 10, is that I would know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul said this, that I may know him. We may continue to live selfishly for this life only, or we may die to self and follow on to know the Lord. But here's the problem tonight. We are at a crossroads and we have to make the decision. In 2022, if our decision is this, I want to know God more and more. I want to know Him more and more. I want to have a closeness and a walk and a relationship with Him that's better than any other year. Well, then you got to check your desires, you got to check your devotion, and you got to check your discipline. Because listen, our desires, our devotion, 
and our discipline will show to us and to others around us whether or not we really want to know Him or whether we don't really care. The choice is up to us individually. Brother Andrew, I really want, speak for myself, I want to know Him more. This, This verse right here is my personal theme verse for the year. 2019, 2020, 2021, it was follow me, follow me, follow me. 2022, said I may know him more. And God says this, Andrew, you want to know me more? How's your desire? How's your devotion? How's your discipline? Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord, the privilege and the opportunity to be in your house, Lord, I thank you for the example that Paul gives us out of this text, out of this passage tonight. Lord, I believe deep down inside every one of us, if we're honest with you, we desire to have a closer, more intimate walk with Jesus Christ and to know you even, Lord, even more than we did last year. But God, I also know tonight that there's things that get in our life that take our desire away from you, take our devotion Take our discipline away. And there's things that cloud our mind, they cloud our heart, and they cause us not to walk with you like we ought to. Lord, I'm thankful that we can take the Word of God and we can get help and get strength, make changes in our life, readjust things in our life, so that we can, according to what Paul said, know you. Lord, I don't know where everybody's at tonight, spiritually speaking, and I don't know the struggles that individuals are having, whether they're here or whether they're watching via live stream. But I dare say that many of us struggle with the desires and the devotions and the discipline in our life when it comes to spiritual things. Lord, none of us are exempt. I'm not exempt. Preacher's not exempt. The deacons aren't exempt. Sunday school teachers aren't exempt. No one's exempt. Lord, we have our struggles. God, help us to put our pride aside and put all those things aside and just humbly come before your throne. And simply say to you, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to have a better walk with you. God, that's our desire, I believe, as a church. I know that's the desire of our pastor, is that all the members of Riverside Baptist Church would have a closer walk with Jesus Christ. As we stand tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, altars are open. Listen, how's your walk with God tonight? Only you can answer that for yourself. Maybe you don't have a walk with God. Maybe you're lost, you're not saved. Hey, I know it's not Sunday morning, but you can still get saved on a Sunday night, amen? Maybe you're struggling, maybe there's something in your life that's just it's clouding your judgment, it's just distracting you. Hey, I've been there. We've all been there. Let's take the time tonight to get it right with God. And just focus on what God has for us.